Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast, where we connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Here are your inspired women. Good morning, I'm Jules. I'm the CEO of Julie Clyde Creative, and I'm hanging out with my friend Megan Hall from Megan Hall Motivation. Okay, <laughs> thanks for cutting out my intro, Jules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Megan Hall. I'm the founder of Megan Hall Motivation. And today we are here with Kim Evans. I met Kim in uh, Kelly Rita's uh, Fierce, it's Fierce Entrepreneur uh, group now. She changed the name of it. And uh, Kim is an author and a creative transformation coach who is passionate about teaching entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial women how to write from the heart and step into their creative power and share their p- powerful stories so they can make an impact in the world. I stole that from your Facebook, Kim. <laughs> thank you. That's cool. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Kim. I know um, in the group you shared with um, the Kelly's group that you had some struggles um, not, I mean, what was a couple years ago that kind of, um, has propelled you forward into what you do now. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that with our audience. Okay. Well, first I just want to thank you both for having me. It's an honor to be here and, um, yes, I'm really excited. And yeah, my story, um, I had, I'll just jump right in and boom, here we go. (laughs) Um, I had two miscarriages. Um, this was several years ago and they were three years apart and the second one really brought me to my knees. Um, I was, you know, cruising along the mother of one. She was six years old at the time, my daughter. And, um, I had my freelance graphic design business going and, you know, it looked like we were on our path to building our family and everything was going to be rosy, right? And um, then, you know, boom, I had the second miscarriage, and I was like, okay, two? Really? You know, really? God, universe, why is this happening? Um, And so I really had to grieve grieve this one. The the first one was more like, okay, this happens, and yeah, it sucks, but I'll just keep moving on. But the second one was like, oh, something's wrong here. And so... um, this, I really, like I said, I really had to grieve this one. I really had to reach out for help to get through it. And um, I really was noticing this time that there was not much support out there for women who have had pregnancy loss. It's not talked about. It's still not talked about, although it is more so now. Back then, it was not talked about at all. And I just felt like, wow, I feel like I've had a death and I've lost a child. And there's, I, there's no way to really grieve this. And so, um, you know, I, I actually, you know, worked with a professional, a counselor who helped me grieve and honor that and realize that it's a, a legitimate loss. And through that process, I, I just tuned into my inner voice and my inner voice was like, why aren't you doing what you really want to be doing in your life? This crap is going to happen to you and why are you not just being creative and writing? My passion has always been writing. And um, I just listened this time. I was like, what do I have to lose now, you know? And so I, I started writing. And I actually just wrote my story about the miscarriages. And I wrote my way to healing. And as it turns out, the writing healed me. And it also ended up in a book that I can share with other women um, on their healing journey. So yeah, that's that's sort of the 
backstory about what happened. Well, what is the name of the book? So we can link it up in the show notes and our uh, audience can get a hold of that if they have struggled with this or struggling with this or even like me, um, this happened in our family, not to me, but to my sister. And I didn't know what to do, but it was like a loss for all of us because she was a couple months along and we were all excited about this new baby and then the new baby didn't come and yeah. it was heartbreaking when we were all crying and we didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how to be there for her because I had never, our family had never experienced a loss like that before. Like, yeah. you know, our mom never experienced it. I never experienced it. So when she experienced it, we were quite lost on what to do, how to be there for her, how to support her. Um, so what's the name of your book, first off? Yes, it's called What I Gave to the Fire. And where can they and get that? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. And it's available in print or Kindle version if you like to read on an iPad or device. So, yeah. I like that. And what would be some advice that you would give somebody if they are a family member trying to support somebody who went through that loss? Because I know, it, like you said, it's not talked about out there. And oftentimes people don't even take it seriously because they've never experienced that. So they don't know how traumatic it is. I've literally heard people say, oh, but but you didn't, you know, you were only a couple months long or, you know, the baby wasn't here yet. How could you be so attached to it? And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that, that's the most horrific thing you can say to anybody that's lost a child. I agree. Yes. 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 I would, my advice would be, first of all, don't say things happen for a reason. That's like the, someone said that to me and um, it just was like, it stabbed my heart because it's like, then it's like, okay, so I did something to deserve this or, you know, it, it's like maybe like years and years down the road, I'll be able to look at the big picture of this in my life and see if it's part of a bigger plan. But when it's, when you're fresh in that loss, that's not what you want to hear. What I wanted to hear, and I think what's helpful is just empathy listening I'm here for you I can come and just sit with you and we can just talk or I can just listen or I can hold you while you cry or you know bake cook cook for me deliver meals just like a law a death you know just um being present without trying to fix or without trying to explain away um realizing that this is a legitimate loss and um just honoring and witnessing the feelings that are coming up in the mother who just lost her baby. Uh, yeah, just that. Like, not pretending like, you know, oh, it could have been worse or, you know, yeah, it wasn't really a baby yet, you know, because there are so many dreams. When you first got you're pregnant, like, the dreams begin, you know, and you start projecting out that life inside of you and what it's going to be, and it's, it, that instantly starts happening, and... To have that just ripped away in a traumatic way is, it is, it's, it needs tender support from loved ones. So, yeah, that's my plea. I love that. No, and, and really, it's really hard um, for people. It's really difficult for people who have never experienced to even understand what that loss would be like. You know, you could try yeah. to think, you know, I could say, like, I was very, uh, very, devastated about my sister's loss but it wasn't my loss I mean what I felt was only a tiny sliver of what she had to have been feeling at that time um yeah. and so what kind of advice would you give somebody that who's who's gone through that or is going through that right now um uh, and about the healing and, and the sort of things that they need to they not need to do but sort of things that might help them 
um, during their healing process. Not that it's going to take the hurt away, but it might help them heal. Right. right. I say don't hesitate to reach out for help. If you need to work with a therapist, do it. There are support groups out there. And this was something that helped me was at my local hospital. It's called Resolve Through Sharing. It's a national network. Um, so many cities and towns have local groups. Um, I did, Unfortunately, I didn't find that until two years later after the last miscarriage. But it still helped me to go there. Um, and just revisit and, and heal and talk to other women who've gone through this. And um, I would also say, you know, write, writing really helped me. Journaling, something to channel your creative energy into, something tangible, I think, was key for me because I wanted to, I needed to remember that I could still create. I'm still, I'm, I'm still a creative woman. Just because this capacity to create was not, didn't come to fruition, I can create other things. Um, and to, have, to come up with some sort of ritual or memorial, way to memorialize the loss. You know, we don't have funerals for miscarriages in our culture. Um, but you can design your own ritual. And, you know, for me, writing the book was that, like this extended ritual. And then when I finished the manuscript, I did a very significant, you know, ritual, which I describe in the introduction of my book. It's pretty magical what happened. Um, so, yeah, I say just make it, memorialize it, and don't just let it pass by and sweep it under the rug. It's important to honor the loss. So, yeah. It sounds like this hey. book is something really amazing that people need to get a hold of. It, I mean, I really do describe what, what happened, the physical stuff that happened to me. And then, you know, it was like it takes place over like four years of my healing process out of that. And people tell me, I mean, I have not promoted this book like widely. I mean, it's been sort of this slow release of the book to the world. And um, But women who read it tell me that they read it in one sitting. <laughs> they can't put it down. And it takes them like four, four to five hours to read it, and and the, it just really touches them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I just say that to to let you know that it's not a huge investment of time to read it, and that it'll be worth your time. <laughs> so yeah, Chris and I would have a sixteen-year-old this year if one of ours had stuck, um, and we faced losing our second one, who is now our eldest, Taylor. Um, and I didn't actually talk about or tell anybody yeah. for the longest period of time. And I remember telling mum and she said, no, you didn't. I went, I did actually, mum. She went, no, 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 you couldn't have been, no. And she she dismissed the whole thing. Um, oh. Um, I remember telling Chris and he, we were in that getting back together, breaking up point as young, young adults. And I said to him, I need to tell you this because this is the reason why I'm struggling to get back together with you. And I just remember seeing his face and his processing of it and he was like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, because A, I went overseas, lost it overseas, and I said, and B, I didn't want to hold him back because we, we were in 18, so he was off to join the Navy and I was going overseas. So there's a big, long backstory. But coming wow. back around, what I actually ended up doing, which helped me, um, in Canberra, in Australia, there's a company and I'm trying to remember their name, that you can get them to come into the hospital if you've lost a baby further along. And they actually photograph and memorialise the, the stillbirth 
So yeah. you get these beautiful photographs with these amazing photographers. So I used to edit for them. And I remember sitting there and editing one day. Mum came in and said, why are you doing this? And I said, because it helps me, but it also helps someone else to have really nice, beautiful portraits of their their child, no matter, no matter what that looks like. And some of them you'd see and just be like, oh, and it would kill you. But yeah. having that creative outlet like you did with writing really helps that yes. healing process to come back through. Yeah, just to face it head on, you know, and like say that, yeah, this is what happened and help other people and talk to other people about it. Yeah, it is. It's just, I don't know, that it's part of that healing process. So, yeah, well, I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, safe for you. (laughs) I'm glad that you started sharing about it and so you could get it out, you know. I think you need to, though, because there's so much stigma around everything to do with having children and even from conception through to delivery. Like, there's so many different views on everything that some people go, oh, well, you you had medication while you were delivering, so you're not a proper mum or you're not the – and it's it's so taboo. It just needs to be left alone and allow people to deliver how they want to deliver or to grieve how they need to grieve. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, it goes to the bigger picture of women, you know, how women are treated in general, you know, like our bodies are not our own. Like they're, you know, legislation is created by men that affects our fertility, our bodies. And um, I think the fact that it's not talked about, you know, that losses are not talked about is just part of, well, just suck it up and, and move on. And you know, take care of your family and, and prepare the meals and make sure the house is clean and, you know, hold down a job, run a business and, you know, take care of your other kids and suck up the loss too, you know. And it's like, no, no. And I'm, I'm just very grateful that there are starting to be, especially on social media, communities where women are starting to share about their losses. Um, I just want to give a shout out to one I really love called I Had a Miscarriage on Instagram. It's a hashtag, I Had a Miscarriage. She posts beautiful um, art and women's stories from around the world. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, please visit it. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. And have you worked with um, many women that have had miscarriages to help them write their stories? You know, I love that you asked that. I, I'm just starting to. It's been, it's interesting, this this is a branch of my business that I'm really wanting to step into, and it's been this approach-avoid kind of thing for me, and I'm not sure why. I think, for me, it's like, can I really hold space for, for women who are going through this? And I know that I can. I'm a trained facilitator. I, you know, I know how to hold space for writing and sharing sensitive, tender things, but... Um, uh, yeah, I am just starting to say, you know, if you need help writing your story, writing down what happened, memorializing, designing your ritual, your memorial, have a listening ear where you can read your story, and I just listen, I don't critique, you know, I, I want to do that, and I am doing that, and I also want to start groups if it grows into that, you know, and just, you know, provide these safe places for, for this to happen. Um, so, yeah, 
I it like it is starting to happen. I'm just stepping it, taking it one step at a time and feeling my way through. But I'm getting ready to create a BFO, a valuable free offer, an opt-in on my website, which is a book, a, a guidebook for journaling through your loss, so that women can download it for free and you know learn more a little bit more about me and see if they might want to work with me. So yeah. When will you be launching that, Kim? Um, soon, soon. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. I mean, right now I have a, a free guidebook that's more general about writing your story, okay. which is a great start. It's not specific to miscarriage or pregnancy loss, but it's a great start for just tapping into that story inside of you that you must tell and that fuels the work that you do in the world today and the person that you are in the world today. It's called Your Story from the Heart. And you can go to my website, and right on the homepage, you can um, just enter your email to download it for free. But yeah, the the specific miscarriage one, you know, okay, I'm going to declare right here, like by the end of April, I will have that one re- on online too. Yay! And, You're declaring it right uh, here, and it'll probably be airing up uh, like a little bit after your podcast. Um, we'll awesome. Air, so. Yep. Yeah, so people can go there. And I'm going to link up your website to the show notes so anybody wants to connect with you and, and your Facebook and everything will be on there so that women can connect with you and, and chat with you. Are you open to people messaging you, Kim, about this? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because Please, I know it, message me. I know it can be a really um, heavy subject and it's hard because people don't know how to talk to the, the people around them or maybe they have people around them who aren't supportive who are just like, get over it. Or, you know, why are you crying? Or what's the big deal? And it's really, it's really hard because I know a lot of women who have experienced this and their stories to hear them say how uh, the lack of support that they had, it it was mind blowing because I'm like, this is, this is somebody who lost a child. Like, and you're just going to pretend like it, it's not a big deal. Right. Right. It's like, no, it's a loss. It's a real loss. It's a real death. Yes, it, it really, it really is. And I, I love that you are now stepping into your greatness and helping more women with this. I think that's a, amazing because that's something that's much needed out there. Um, very much yeah. needed. Yeah, because you see, you know, you're seeing people sharing their stories, very written, very eloquently and real, authentically and, you know, raw, but there's not much out there about how to do that. And that's where I come in is I can help you write that story in a gentle, safe way. And then you get to decide if you want to share it or maybe just writing it is enough or maybe you do want to share it and help others. So, yeah, that's... I. That's where I, I come in. <laughs> so what all are your services to help women write their stories? Um, you like take them on through to publishing a book if they want to publish it or how, how do you yeah. help them? Yeah, I coach, you know, as a writing coach, I, I help them get started. I help them outline it and then establish a writing practice and get it written. Um, and then, you know, shape it and polish it and get it edited and then, you know, help, I coach them through ed, uh, public, publishing options. I personally know a lot about self-publishing through the Amazon platform called Create Space. Um, and then, but then if someone wants to, like, find a traditional publisher, 
you know, I can definitely support them. I'm not an expert in that, but I can support them on their journey, finding their next steps toward that too. Or if they want to create a blog or, you know, create an Instagram account. Um, Instagram seems to be a place where the pregnancy loss community likes to gather. Um, yeah, so I support, yeah, writers from the beginning all the way through. What they decide is publication. They, publication on their terms. It doesn't have to be the traditional route if they don't want it to be. So what kind of writers do you support? All writers or uh, specific? Well, no, nonfiction. Okay. Yeah, nonfiction, um, yeah, true stories. Okay. So Memoirs. Memoirs. Okay, good. Because yeah. I, I don't want somebody to approach you and be like, so can you help me publish this book? <laughs> yeah, no, memoir, nonfiction, creative nonfiction. You know, poetry collections, as long as they're um, nonfiction and based on life experience. Uh, that's what I love. That's my zone for sure. I used to write poetry when I was younger, actually. It, oh, it, that's awesome. It's kind of funny because I, I, it was when I was younger and I was going through a lot of things and, uh, yeah. I kind of let it go. And I, I look yeah. back at those poems and I'm like, man, I was good. That is so cool. Did you ever share them with anyone at the time? I actually or got since... published in a uh, poetry book in New York when I was younger. So wow congrats that's cool somewhere up in my attic this big fat like book full of poetry <laughs> and i'm yeah. there and it's it's me too oh cool you too Julie? yeah i never got published i didn't share them but yeah we used yeah. to sit and write all the time and write little short stories and stuff maybe we make an inspired women's book inspired women's book yeah. <laughs> it's coming stay tuned <laughs> I always say that, and then we actually end up going through with whatever crazy wild idea we have. Um, but, Just a little bit. A little bit. But, um, Kim, did your uh, family experience anything when it come, came to the miscarriage, like any um, grief or loss as well? Not just you, but um, like maybe your child or your husband or any other family members? Great question. You know, my husband experienced it differently than I did because to him it wasn't as real because it wasn't inside his body. But yet, you know, we went through this together. He was very supportive. But, you know, there, and I write about this in my book too, you know, how at times it was frustrating because I felt like he couldn't relate or he couldn't understand. And so I just wrote honestly about that. Um, and my daughter... She was six, and she, you know, at the time didn't really seem to be phased by it. And since then, now she's a young adult, you know, and, and since, um, since then I've asked her, you know, if it affected her. And I've also asked her how, if she, how she feels about that book being out in the world because she's a big character in the book, and she's just so supportive, you know. And she's like, Mom, I'm so proud of you for doing this. And I really don't feel like um, it had too much effect on her because she was so young. And to be honest, she didn't want a sibling anyway. That's what she said. You know, she's like, I like being an only child. <laughs> so, Sounds like my daughter. Why did you have to have twins, Mom? I like being on my own. Like, oh. Yes. So she, you know, she sees it as a win for her. And, you know, and that was a whole other process for me was embracing being the parent, the mother of an only child, because there's a stigma attached to that as well. Only children are spoiled brats, you know, and I had to work through that. It's like, okay, you know what? I tried not to have an only child. And as it turns out, 
I, I needed her to be my only child because she needed all that focus and um, attention and to be the beautiful person she is. And so, um, yeah. So, and then, you know, my extended family, I don't think they completely knew what to say. They were very supportive and, and present. But like you said, Megan, we hadn't experienced much loss in our family up until this. Um, and so it was sort of a, a shock and like, wow, how do you do this? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I literally sent my sister a book and I, I, I think it was You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. <laughs> I love that book. It's, it was such a good book. I didn't know. I, and so my way of that's how I would want somebody to help me. So I helped her the way I thought, you know, that I would help, you know, I would want somebody to help me, which I love yes. books. So I was like, yes. send me a book that's going to make me happy um, or, right. or give me hugs. Right. But she lives in New York and so I couldn't do that. Uh, that's so thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, a book, cards, you know, just something thoughtful. Anything thoughtful that you can send is so appreciated. I'm sure it was for me, you know, people who sent me cards and flowers, I was like, Oh, thank you. So, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really difficult all around because you don't know what to say to other people because you don't know how they're going to take it. And then other people don't know what to say to you or do because they don't know how you're going to take it. And I'm glad that you're on here to share, you know, what people can do um, from your perspective as somebody who's gone through this. And also, you know, sharing your perspective of what it's like to experience this because n people don't know if they've never experienced it. I, I made a Facebook um, live yesterday on my personal page about, you know, people really need to open their eyes and judge less because unless you've actually experienced something, you don't have any idea what it's like to, yes. you know, get off your high horse and be like, oh, you know, you need to get over it or this and that when you don't know and everybody's going to experience it differently. Yeah, just to be present, to be able to just sit with someone and witness and be present is such, such a gift, you know, without trying to change or fix or explain away, just being there, being present and taking that risk to through that awkward awkwardness and, and reaching out through the awkwardness, taking a, a risk to be there for somebody, even though it may be difficult. And I need to say this for myself as well, because I tend to shy away when someone's grieving and I don't want to bother them, but having been on the other end of that, it's so, I, you know, it's so appreciated when you do. So. Please bother me. Please bother me. <laughs> it is. Because uh, otherwise, Megan and I were talking about this a few months ago. I got some health news back and completely just went silent and into my own little box. Yeah. And I was like, where are you? What are you doing? Why haven't you told me what's going on? And I said, I ended up saying to her, if I go quiet, that's when you need to bother me and you need to ask, yeah. you know, yeah. are you my okay? Door. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I'll stay in my little hermit shell for as long as possible until I'm like, okay, I think I'm good and then I'll come out again. But to yeah. have a few friends poking you along the way to go, are you okay? How can I help? What do you need? You know, I'm a do you need to talk about anything? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. You can do it. How do you do it, Megan? I mean, how, what? I'm curious, like, what you do to knock on the door, to give yourself permission to knock on the door. I just know because of all the things that I've been through in my life that oh, there was many times that I felt so alone and, like, I didn't have anybody there for me. 
And part of that yeah. was because I had pushed so many people away, especially when uh, I was in my abusive relationship with my ex. I pushed my entire family away. Like, they didn't know what was going on and what kind of horrors I was experiencing um, yeah. on a regular basis. And, you know, it wasn't until the end that literally my sister was, like, at my house and he shoots off a gun at my house and she's like, what, what is going on here? Like you wanted me to come get you and you needed to leave, but she had no idea that it might have gotten to a point where, you know, at first it was verbal and then it became at the very end, it became physical. And then it, I mean, it progressed quickly from physical to him shooting off a gun at my house. Um, so I knew that I felt so alone on so many times that, I just need to show people that I'm there, like on whether it's on social media or whatever. I give myself permission to show up as myself, perky, positive Care Bear, um, and even <laughs> even to share like sometimes if I'm struggling because people need to know that I'm a real person. Um, but I give myself that permission because I went through that and I struggled so much and I felt so alone at times that I don't want anybody to feel like they're alone. Mm. Like I've, yeah. I literally was talking to a friend this week and I said, I'm here to support you in whatever's going on in your life. That doesn't mean that I always agree with whatever is going on with somebody's life or I'm like, that's okay. But I'm there mm. to support them and leave the judgment out of it and just be their friend and just be there for them. Uh, that's awesome. It's, it's very inspiring. It's yeah. the same with my husband. Sometimes he comes home with like stuff from work and he's like, I just got to talk to somebody. I'm like, okay, let it out. Just let it out. Just get it out. Because if you bottle that up inside, it eats away at you. Yeah, it does. It's not, not a good way to, to live. Yeah. I, I mean, were you able to talk at first about your loss or did you have that, that period of bottling it up inside before you actually talked to anybody? Yeah, I had that period of bottling it up because I'm a bottler. <laughs> and, um, I yeah, it, I you know I the the counselor I worked with helped me start really talking about it more. Um, but I would have never dreamed I would have been comfortable enough to publish a book about my story, you know. But just incrementally, I opened up more and more, being able to talk about it. So and being just fueled by that that passion of wanting to serve others, even if I could help just one other woman um, get through it a little easier, it was worth it. So yeah, it, baby steps get you there. <laughs> How did you feel after you started opening up about it? Like what kind of feelings did you feel? Um, you know, when someone tells me they've read their, read my book and that it really helped them and it touched their heart, that feels awesome. That was my vision, you know, from the beginning was to do that. And so, yeah, I'm so grateful that I listened to that voice and, and you know, just kept putting one foot in front of the other and writing it. And, you know, when I first, I will say that early on when I was writing my story, I was in a women's writing group, which was a totally safe place for me to share my writing, just read it out loud and have people listen to it. And that really is where, you know, I built my confidence to share my voice and share my story. And so um, felt awesome when people would just listen and just say, you know, people would come up to me and say, that's ha that happened to me too. You know, your story is my story. You know, mm -hmm. just, you know feeling that connection with other people um, is great. So that's why I want to give it back now.
Yeah. You just added Share a new it book to my reading list. <laughs> oh, good. I'm very glad. I'm very excited because I didn't even know you wrote a book until we started talking. I'm like, what? Okay, yes. Yay, books. I love books. Um, yeah. So, Jules, did you have any questions for Kim before we wrap it up with our final questions? No. Mm, are you going to make the book into an audible book? <laughs> <laughs> I don't always get time to read, but I'll listen. Listen, you know, I, someone else has recommended that. And I know it's not too hard to do that. There's technology out there to do it yourself. And I should do it. Yeah. Yes, please. I'm going to add that to my list. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it when the author reads the book because they often yeah. add, like, little other bits to the story. And it, totally. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm going to block out time to do that for sure. That and create the guidebook, the free guidebook for women who want to write, start writing about their experience. I think that's a, a, a both of them are fabulous because, you know, my husband's yeah. the same way. He doesn't, he doesn't read like physical books, but if it is, a, a, you know, an audible book, you know, an audio book, he will listen all day long. That's how I got him to, you know, read the five love languages <laughs> yeah. was to listen to yeah. it um yeah you can listen to the car or yeah while you're multitasking that's why podcasts are so amazing too <laughs> yeah that's that's how i function though my entire world has always been imagery and even as a little girl i didn't read books i would read picture books i would read non-fiction because there was always an image with it and it was always about that so now as an adult i do want to read I don't always have the time to, but the Audible means that I can still get the knowledge and the education side of it, and I can continue doing my imagery creating side of the house too. So multitasking at its best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Kim, we're going to follow this up with our final five questions. So what, okay. what does authenticity mean to you? Okay. Authenticity means to me being honest Showing my true self, not hiding behind a thought, being who I am unapologetically. I love that. See, I, people are like, it's a buzzword, but to me, it has become such a buzzword, but it's still a word that's very powerful if it's used the right way. I love the word. I, yeah, I still use it. So yep. how do you make time for self-care? Um, I would say I like to have my quiet time every morning. I, since I work for myself, one of the gifts of being self-employed and having your own business is being able to set your own schedule. And so I allow an hour or two of quiet time every morning to get me going. I journal or read or just drink my coffee and just sit and look out the window. <laughs> but then I also schedule in self-care. I have to schedule it in like massages. I try to get somewhat regular massages, knowing that that's on my calendar. That's my self-care time where I can just melt and be cared for. And then just scheduling time off, you know, just time away from work. I just got back from a week off with my family, just spring break. And it was just so important to just have that rejuvenation time. I stayed off of Facebook and recharged my batteries. So, yeah, scheduling it in is like the best way for me to make sure I get my self-care in. That's what I tell my clients all the time. Like, you just need to put it on your schedule and have it as yeah. a meeting that is, it's non-negotiable. This is a meeting exactly. you can't cancel. You can't cancel. Yeah, that's the bit, that's the bit that I often used to do is put it on there 
And then you go, I can't do that today. Megan's like, no, 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 no. You keep that appointment. I'm like, okay. Now I quite enjoy it. And I love this question because all of our, uh, all of the people we've interviewed have had different answers. And it just goes to show that self-care is not one size fits all. It is all about you and what works best in your life. Yeah, yeah, just do it. However you need to do it. Just get it in. Uh, So what is your biggest struggle as a modern woman? I would say letting go of these expectations that come from myself and from our culture about being a caretaker, having to take care of everyone's needs before my own. And this goes back to the self-care, you know, putting myself last. Um, and so doing that, letting go of that expectation that I have to take care of everyone, but also being a caring person, like finding a way to be caring and loving without taking care of everyone and depleting myself. Do you yeah. find that you have more energy and more to give other people when you take that time for self-care? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like you said, non-negotiable. Have to have it. And you can't pour from an empty cup. That's what I always say. Um, yes. So uh, what is one tip you have um, for creating positive relationships with others? Uh, yeah, this one, I think being able to set boundaries without feeling guilty, being able to say, giving myself permission to say no if I need to, but also giving myself permission to say yes and just honoring what, what I need and um, trusting that the other person will respect if I need to set a boundary or not. I think when it comes yeah. to boundaries, it's saying you're important and I'm important too. Yeah, like I want to be fully present when I'm with you or when you know I'm doing this thing for you or if you just need someone to listen, if I'm you know wiped out or exhausted, I'm not going to be a good friend so I need some time and then I'll be here for you so yeah so what is one motto that you live by (laughs) uh okay I think to thine own self be true I love that one to thine own self be true that's my first time that I've heard that one on this podcast that's a good one yeah yeah you know I, I first heard it, I don't know where it origin, originates from, but I first heard it in support groups. Um, it was a motto that, you know, we shared, and I just, it's always stuck with me. It's like, ah, it feels like a relief. Like, okay, first I'm going to be true to myself and then branch out from there. I, I always say to my clients, you can't fully connect with other people if you're not for, first showing up as yourself. Like you can't because people will sense it. It blocks them off when you put on that like mask or that shield. You know, you can't really connect. And and that was my struggle the first three years of my marriage with my husband because I had so much hurt and pain that I would, you know, block myself off from him. And because I didn't even know who I was. But when I took that time to discover who I was and work through that hurt and pain, we have a completely different marriage today than we did before. That's great. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. And Kim, thank you for sharing your story. I know it's a, a heavy topic, but I we felt it was very important to our audience to hear somebody's perspective, whether somebody's going mm. through it right now or might go through it in the future, hopefully not, um, or if they have a family member who's experiencing it or has experienced it. So they know how how this can affect all people 
and how they can show up and, and share. And maybe somebody will want to write their story. And now they have a tool because we try to have people on the podcast that we, we feel that we can trust so that our audience can go to them if they feel that they need, you know, that extra help. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm just so grateful that you had me on as a guest. Guest. This was really fun. And um, yeah, thanks for letting me share my story here. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you very Welcome. soon. Okay. Thank you for tuning into the Inspired Women podcast. If you're a woman in search of a positive, supportive community, we'd love to have you join us. Just search the Inspired Women community on Facebook and click the join button. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends. We'll see you next week.